Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited for you to join us today. To find out more about us, visit highway.com.au. Welcome this morning. Welcome online, wherever you are. This morning it will be cold. Of that there's no doubt. I think it was, during the week was four degrees. Four degrees. It's Queensland. We can't even spell four degrees. It just doesn't happen here. But, uh, wow. It's an amazing season that we're living in, isn't it? Like, um, right across Australia, you know, we're facing challenges. And by the way, I've never sent an email to a politician or whatever in my life, but I will be this week. I will be this week. That's how important this is. But, you know, right across Australia, there's challenges that, you know, that we've never encountered before. We've never encountered. Our world (laughs) doesn't look the same. Everything we took for granted, you know, uh, has changed. And so many things around us are just different, aren't they? They're just different. But the good news is that as a society, you know, we will get through this and we will be stronger and we will have a new normal. It will be a new normal. So if you're hanging on to the old normal... I think it's gone. But there's a new normal that we'll embrace and so much has changed. You know, people are working from home these days. Office blocks are empty. It's like a ghost town. Who would have thought that would happen? Different things are taking place. Uh, The way we interact with people has changed. You know, the, the thing I like is you get now ushered to your seat. That's pretty cool. That's a win. I like that, and um, who knows what international travel is going to look like. That's just another planet. We can't even embrace that yet, but that's going to be totally different. So there's a lot of of changes. But you know what? The church will remain solid. The church will remain solid. Maybe we'll do church a little different than what we used to do, but who we are, and why we are here will never change. Who we are and why we are here will never change. Church is the anchor in our community. Always has been. Church is the anchor in our community and it will hold fast to every situation, every circumstance. It's been proven for thousands of years. Thousands of years, thousands of challenges. Wars, plagues, whatever has hit the church, yet the church is still stands, remains solid to this very day. But today I want to reinforce who we are and why we're here. It's good to do that. I've titled this message, The Power of One, because the, the greatest strength we have as a church is unity, is being one, is being one. When Jesus uh, uh, prayed for all the believers in John 17, verse 20 and 21, he said, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us 
so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Jesus has demonstrated in this passage of Scripture that Christianity is not what we add on to our life. It's not an addition to our world. No, Christianity is is who we are to become. We haven't arrived. Amen? Who can say amen? We haven't arrived. It's who we are to become. It's a journey. We're on a journey. It's not a religious organisation that people sign up to. It's who we are to become. I love that. That we may be one as Jesus and the Father are one. Let's have a look at this. The power of one. One God. One God. Luke 16, 13. says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And that scripture parallels with Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. And Jesus did not say that, you know, a man should not, but that he cannot serve two masters. It's not like it's an option that you can reject. No, it's a fact that you can't. It's impossible to serve two masters. And it comes from the the root meaning in Aramaic, this term for wealth. And it doesn't say you can't have wealth. It just says that wealth can't be your master. You can't serve wealth. That can't be your God. It comes in this root meaning as well in, in, in the word trust. The word trust, it stresses the crucial truth that ultimately you can only have one master, one God. You can't serve two. Basically, it comes down to the question of who do we trust? Who do we trust? And the answer to that question will reveal who your real God is because that's the one you put your trust in. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Now, many of you would know that scripture off by heart. Many would have sung that scripture in in choruses over the years. But the biggest indicator of trusting God and not my own understanding, listen to it, is in the area of our tithes. That's, that's, the, that's the definer. In the area of our tithes will tell us who we trust. And I can tell you, if you do not tithe, as the Bible says, then you do not trust God. It's as simple as that. It's very basic. Scripture is very clear that, you know, that God has set up a structure within the church that the first tenth of the harvest, of the increase, of the income, belongs to God. He says, you give me the 10 and I'll bless the 90. The 90, knock yourself out. Do what you like with and I will, I will bless it. 
I will favor it. But the first belongs to him. Very clear. And you know that whenever, you know, we're going to talk about this through Malachi chapter 3. And I've heard this argument, you know, that people say that, well, well you know, Malachi is Old Testament and, and we're living in the New Testament. But I, w- I want to have a look at verse 6 in Malachi chapter 3, which says this. He says, I, the Lord, do not change. I, the Lord, do not change. The principle that was true then is the principle that will be true now because I, the Lord, do not change. Old Testament, New Testament, the principles remain the same. I, the Lord, do not change. See, if, 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 if my son borrows my lawnmower and never returns it, which is quite on the cards, He has actually stolen my lawnmower. Is that true? Why? Because it doesn't belong to him. It's my lawnmower. But you know when you have something you borrowed for such a long time and it's sitting in your garage, it's been there so long, you think, well, I guess I own it now. No, you stole it. You stole that lawnmower or whatever it may be. It's how it works. Now, if my son returns my lawnmower after five years, that's not generosity. <laughs> that's just the right thing to do. Of course, it's my lawnmower. Now, if he cleans it and gets the motor serviced and changes the filter for me, that's called an offering. It's always been mine. It belongs to me. And see, God, God has done the same for the church. He said, look, this is how it works. He said, everyone, everyone brings a tenth percent into the storehouse. Why? So you can pay the bills. I've had people come to me and say, you know, oh, the church should be free. Well, it should be. But Anastasia Palaszczuk hasn't caught the revelation. We still pay taxes. We still, you know, pay rates. We still pay electricity bills. We still pay mortgages. We still pay everything. How can it possibly be free? So God has this plan that everyone brings in a 10% regardless of your income because he knows that it'll balance out. And when we do that, you know, things change. If we read on from verse 6, it says, I, the Lord, do not change, so you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, "How how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, the whole nation, because you are robbing me. 
you're not giving God back his mower. It's as simple as that. You still borrowed it. It's still in your shed. Verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. Now, this is a good part. It's it's a two-way street. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. That's the God principle. But it comes down to trust and not our own understanding. That's the difference, right? See, people think that the church should be free and, and that would be wonderful, but we have a mission and we have to look after so many kids and, and people in our community and we're here to, to minister to our community, not just to function as an organisation. Is that right? So it's not about, you know, just the church getting wages or whatever. We have a mission that we have to fulfil. And so as we collectively come together and bring our whole tithe into the storehouse, there is ample. There is ample to minister to the world in a way where Jesus Christ is glorified. That's what we're here to do. Amen? That's how it works. One God. Who do we trust? Number two today is one body. If you have a look at Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 3 to 5, says this. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. And uh, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. It's as simple as that. We are the body of Christ. We are Highway Church. And if you call Highway Church home, then you are a member of this body. It goes on in verse 6 to talk about, you know, the different gifts in the body. You know, prophesying, serving, teaching, encouragement, generosity, leading, and, and many others. So God has equipped each and every one of you with a gift that is relevant to this body. You know, he hasn't brought in 500 arms. I mean, how useless would that be unless you're a millipede or something? You know, we're not all arms. You know, we're all that is required for this body to function properly. Amen? That's how it works. Your gift and your gift and your gift, we're all different. We all have a different gift, but when you bring it together... You've got a body that's strong, a body that's functioning, a body that has purpose and direction and making a difference. We all come together and we bring our gift and together it's enough to do whatever God requires. I love that. One body. And when we come together, this is the thing, we, we function effectively. 
But, you know, if we come together and some of the parts of the body are not functioning, well, the body is actually disabled. It's disabled and can't function the way it should. And, and you know, I think back in the good old days um, and uh, the reality was I think we let this slip a little bit. I don't think we preached enough on this. Because the old rule in many churches was, you know, 20% of people do all the work and 80% come and just sit on Sunday and go home. Is that true? That, that's just 80-20 rule applies everywhere. And the church used to be exactly like that. But all that has changed now. See, all that has changed now because there's one thing we learned about COVID. There's a lot of the 80% that didn't make it through the fire. There's a lot of the 80% that lost because they were never functioning as a part of the body before and lost their purpose. It's time to rebuild. It's time to rebuild as Highway Church. And you know, we're, we're all in this together. This is our church. This is, this is our body and um, the body of Christ. Every believer has a part to play. Every one of us has a gift and an ability and a strength and we come together and, and we, we, you know, we, we function properly. And I love what Jesus said in, in his prayer. He said, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. You see, you're functioning in the body of Christ. Your gift brought together in the body of Christ. We are one. We are in unity. It tells the world that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. It reveals to the world the unity, the oneness, the strength, the anchor through every storm and crisis in this world tells the world that, that you know, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Sadly, I find this is why many people shift churches. Because they never feel they belong. Because they only attend. I mean, I've seen, I've pastored this church for 26 years. I've seen it. People come to my office and I say, Father, you know, the Lord, it was, you know, Pastor Byron, it was, you know, Gabriel came to me, the archangel, during the night and, and said, pack up your pencils and your books and your rubbers and, and uh, leave and go to this other church. They're lying. They're just bored. And why are they bored? Because they don't do anything. They're not a part of anything. Now, you come to church every Sunday faithfully. God bless you. Do you do that for 10 years and you, you don't belong? You're not a part of anything? It's boring. It's boring. But to be functioning in your gift, in your ability, in your strength, being a part of the body, moving forward, blood flowing through every part of the body, that's exciting. Seeing people's lives changed and transformed and you know you're a part of that, that's exciting. That's not coming to church, that's being the church. That's being the body together. You say, yeah, but I'm shy. Well, we've got a shy part of the body. <laughs> Just for you. We need you. You need us. 
You need us. So powerful. See, people move church, they go to another church, and it's exciting to start with. Because it's different. You know, it's different. So, oh, yes, this was a good move. This was the right thing. Give it time. Someone's going to offend you. And can I tell you, 90% of the reason why people move church is not because of a vision from God. It's not the word of the Lord. Why would he do that? Why would God say, I need you in this body? You're here for 10 years. Now I need you in another body. It doesn't make sense. The bottom line is it's offence. People leave because they're offended about something. Now, rather rather than being a mature believer and saying, okay, I'm going to stand up to this. What does the Bible say about that offence? Okay, I'm going to work that through. I'm going to process that. You know, I'm going to do what is biblically right to do. And then I'm going to grow. I'm going to be more mature. I'm going to be a stronger and more valuable part of the body than I was before because of that offence. Not run away. No one gets strong running away. We're rebuilding from here. And it's time to get on board, put your roots down, and together, one God. One God, which means we trust him. One body, which means we all have a part to play. And number three, one heart. One heart. Look at Matthew 28, 19 to 20. He said, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. See, the future of the church has never changed. It's always been one heart. Making disciples. Making disciples. And I love the fact that this commission was given to each individual and not to an organisation. Discipling is a responsibility of every believer, not the church. Every believer. The only credentials that these guys had was that they spent time with Jesus, they learned some lessons that they applied to their own life, and then they went and taught that. Amen? That, that was their only qualification for being the disciples that built the early church was what they learned from Jesus they, they taught to others. It was that simple. Acts 5, verse 41, 42 says, The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day, in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus was the Messiah. I guess the question that we have to ask is, do we still think that it's good news? Believer, can I ask you today? Do you still think it's good news? 
I know you've been a believer for 10 years and at one point your life was heading in that direction. Someone told you about Jesus, introduced you to the gospel, the good news, and you embraced it. Your life was changed and transformed. Not perfect, still on a journey, but far better than it was. Amen. And the gospel to you at that point was good news. I'm asking you today, is it still good news? You say, well, I've been a Christian 20 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it still good news? Because if it's still good news to you, then why? Why don't we want that for everybody? See, when it goes from good news to religion, we lose it. When it goes from good news to ritual, we lose it. We lose it. But if it's still good news, if it's still changing my life, if it's still transforming me, if I'm still seeing the, ma- the majesty and the wonder of God on a regular basis, it's still good news. And I want that for everyone. And go and make disciples. And so I'm not qualified, you're overqualified. Because you know what brokenness was and you know what wholeness is. That's all you need to know. And you get a person that's broken and hurting and wounded, they'll take any part of wholeness you can give them. And it'll be good news. Amen? It'll be good news. We're not perfect. We don't profess to be perfect. But this is. And this works. And you know it. You know it. You know what Jesus has done in your life. You know that revelation you got and you put it in place and it changed your whole marriage, changed your whole family. Amen. You know it. That's good news. Just share that with someone else. Share that with someone else. Go and make disciples. I know it's good news. I know it's still good news because I see people that come into this house who have no church affiliation or, or understanding and they come into this place and they experience the presence of God. They experience the love of God. See the tears rolling down their face. And when you're a new person in a public place, you don't bung that on. And God does something in their heart. It's good news. It's good news. But it doesn't have to happen at church. These guys, it was in the temple courts, it was house to house. They never had any buildings. They were scattered all over the place. They, weren't, they, they never even made it public who they were and they still made disciples. They never had Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. They had none of that to advertise. They just one-on-one shared the good news of what Jesus has done in their life and made disciples. See, it's the power of one. One God means I trust him. He's one God. One body, which means we serve. We're all a part of this. We're all a part of this. And one heart is that we make disciples.
we make disciples. And we change the planet. That's how it works. Are you a part of it? Are you in? Father, I thank you today for each and every one that's sitting here. For those at home listening to this message, Lord, I pray that by your spirit, Lord, you will, you will challenge us. Lord, I don't, I don't want to offend anyone, but I, I don't want anyone comfortable either. I want people uncomfortable with where they're at because there's more in you, Lord. There's more in you. There's more in you. For not only for each one of us, but our worlds. Our worlds are desperate, crying out for good news. And we carry it, Lord. So challenge each one of us, Lord. Lift each one of us. Amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand.